Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Hello and welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This week, we're going to get stuck into one of my favourite subjects, CMO investing, and we're going to compare it to traditional leased space. I can't believe this is episode 90, by the way. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's just hold on for two seconds, though, before we dive into that. I want to give you a brief update on what's going on in our part of the world. And over the summer and through the autumn, our buildings have increased occupancy. And in fact, just last week, one of our bigger properties reached 100% occupancy. I wanted to mention that because it's still relatively quiet out there, I mean in the general economy, but the bulk of our small business clients are just getting on with it. And I know that's a sweeping generalisation, but I can only tell you what I'm seeing on the ground where we are. We could definitely do with some more space, and we have been doing some viewings on properties that are close by our existing properties. See, I really find that having alternatives quite close together can add a few benefits. One, it allows you to cross-sell, especially if you've got products slightly different. You can sell somebody something that maybe you don't quite have in one building in another building across the street or down the road. It's just that differentiating product is important to have, but it means that you can benefit from economies of scale because those two buildings can be run by the same team or at least they can interact and support each other. And our storage and warehousing is continuing to be strong as well. And all of our small private spaces are full at the moment, hence why we're looking for some more space. And just to clarify, I'm talking about service space rather than our leased space. During the pandemic, we haven't really lost any of our leased space customers, thank goodness. So that's just being kind of steady, I guess. It's the licensed space that's really popular. But I'll get into that in a minute when I go into the details of this podcast episode. I did mention last week that quite a number of our students are successfully buying CMO projects and one or two people have asked me about that and if you want to find out more about those deals then hang around to the end of this episode and I'll tell you where you can go and find that information online. Now before we get started let me just say I like both and I have investments in both and what I mean by that is I have CMO serviced offering buildings and I have leased space. But for me, there are some really striking advantages of CMO over standard lease space, which I want to talk about today. But it's not all plain sailing, of course, and there are some downsides. The important question, as always, is what do you want to achieve? If you want a totally hands-off income, then multi-let might not be the best for you. If you want to create great cash flow, then CMO could be very interesting to you. The other key thing to remember when I run through this comparison is it's based on you and I being investors. This conversation will have an influence on the rent-to-rent model, but it's really about the key differences for us as investors and operators of CMO space, if we choose to be the operator. 
and how we see property investing versus running a business. So back in episode eight of the podcast, which seems like ages ago, I listed some of the reasons to seriously consider CMO as an investment strategy. So I'm going to quickly review those and then let's dig in more of that comparison of CMO and service-based offering versus leased space so you can work out which works best for you. But before we do that quick review, I just want to define what I mean by CMO and service space offering, and of course, traditional lease space, because there's three terms there. So firstly, a CMO is a commercial multiple occupancy building. It's where you have multiple tenants, under one roof, sharing services and communal spaces. Now, sometimes those tenants have agreements or contracts which are effectively leases albeit they're leases with a common service charge added on top. So things like landscaping, car parking, maintenance of the exterior, and sometimes the interior and the operating of common things like toilets and entrances, they're all paid for by the tenants, but they're paid for by use of a common service charge rather than necessarily just being a standard lease where you just pay a rent and you're in charge of everything else, as a tenant that is. So CMO commercial buildings can be run with leases in place, but they will have a common service charge. But a service space offering is slightly different again. It's where we include the service charges in the rental, which is technically called the license fee rather than a lease. So some CMO buildings have a serviced offering with license agreements and some CMO buildings have leases with a service charge. However, almost All serviced offerings are in CMO buildings because by having a number of customers in one space or one building and looking after them with a higher level of service, you can create the opportunity for a higher margin. So finally, leased space. Well, some are CMOs or multiple occupancy properties, and we do have a building or two which are multi-let but on a lease basis, and then a common service charge is added. But lease space is often used for single occupant properties and are often based on an FRI lease or fully repairing an insurance lease. More on that in a bit. But if you imagine a shopping centre, for instance, often they will be on leases, but they will have a common service charge for the overall upkeep and management of the centre as itself. Sometimes they are on licence basis and increasingly now, Um, There is a profit share because of what's happened during COVID and the difficulty some of those businesses have had, and both from the operator side or the the retail side, but also from the landlord side. So there's a bit more of a blended approach um, on some of these properties. But anyway, I'm getting off track. So firstly, there's a CMO building, which is multiple occupants under one roof, often with a service charge element added on top of a lease if you're doing it through a lease, but also if you do a service space offering, it's really going to be a CMO building. It's not going to be a single occupant building and it's going to be with a license to occupy rather than a lease. And that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a minute. And then, of course, there's the lease space, which tends to be a full repairing insuring lease or FIR lease. And very much the customer or the tenant is in charge of, responsible for the property and everything that goes on in it. So just a quick summary of the points I raised in episode 8. And this wasn't necessarily compared to commercial, it was just as an investment vehicle. So the first one was commercial multiple occupancy buildings do give you that chance to scale up quickly. For our first commercial deal, we swapped in 
Now remember, it was three residential properties for this one CMO property, but it did have over 30 different customers. And over the years, we improved the building and improved the turnover. And that building now produces over 150k gross turnover per year. Now, I know there needs to be a net figure to come out of that, but let's just say the net figure or the net contribution to our business is far, far more than three residential properties and would be enough for some people to say, I don't need to work for somebody else anymore. The second one was the resources are concentrated in just a few locations. So rather than being spread over a number of different properties, you can be much more efficient by focusing in on one location with multiple tenants. So one roof, um, perhaps one or two boilers instead of umpteen locations and umpteen boilers, as an example. This is less impact with an FRI lease, but it's still lots of paperwork when you have to build scale and you've got multiple locations to be able to increase the cash flow that you're after. So the third one is you can really affect the building value, which can then be leveraged for future purchases because of that margin you can create and because it's about um, creativity and working out what the absolute best optimum offer is for your local customers. The fourth one is there are multiple streams of income, which is not just rental income, clearly. And over the years, we've benefited from over 20 different income streams generated from operating CMO buildings on a service basis. The fifth one was the annual turnover from just one location can be over six figures. As I mentioned, our first one is certainly over that. And even our smallest one is over that. How many residential properties would you need for that? Or how many leased spaces would you require to reach that level of income? The sixth one was our purchase prices have tended to be lower than you would than I would have expected, certainly. And it's a business model that can work well with challenging properties where one tenant may not be able to use the full amount of space, which means it might not be that attractive. Therefore, the price might be lower. And businesses that don't quite know what to do with that space tend to shy away from them. Again, reducing the price. So they can be lower than you think. The seventh one was the laws affecting landlords and tenants or operator and licensee is much more balanced than it is in the world of residential. You do need to do your due diligence on the leases, but is a better legal footing for both the tenant and the landlord. I would say the pendulum is much more balanced on that one. The next one was the income can rise quickly due to the shorter licenses that we tend to use in that service space. So customers can come and go with shorter licenses, which gives you opportunities to upgrade spaces to suit the market when you're working out what the market really wants and increase the income as you go along. If you use a below market rent to attract customers to start with, the rent doesn't have to stay at that level for a long time, which it tends to have to do with leases. Sometimes you can get a step rental in there, of course, but it is tended to be viewed at today's pricing. So you have much more opportunity to experiment with price under licenses because they're shorter to see exactly where the sweet spot is. The ninth one was there are some considerable tax benefits over residential or indeed HMO investments. Investing in commercial property and potentially a trading business can really help you access more tax saving strategies. Now that's the same for lease space as well. Maybe not quite as much, but certainly there's a lot of tax saving benefits there. The next one was business startup levels and storage use is continuing to increase. So as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, you know, those are definitely trends for us. 
and they've helped our CMO demand grow consistently over the years. Which does lead me on to that next one, which was about recession proofing. I mentioned this one before. This was back in episode eight. As I say, that's a while ago now. And we have had some challenging times and we did have some tenants move out, but not many. And they were replaced. And as I say, the occupancy now is, is looking very good. So one of the things I would suggest is if you have the right property and you're responding to market demand, the offer, when it's flexible, can provide tenants or clients with space that's a bit more recession-proof, i.e. it's a bit more flexible for them. They don't have to make long-term decisions, which they don't like doing when things are uncertain. So if you have a business, this is another reason I mentioned before, if you have a business already, then you could maybe use that to leverage buying a multi-let property. It's an easier way to get into the market because the bank might be more likely to lend to your business, your trading business, to buy a space to operate from But if you buy one that's slightly oversized, then you could maybe multi-let that element of the building. So you're really leveraging on your existing business to actually to be able to buy the building. But then you start generating an income from or an additional income from that. And that's a strategy a lot of people use. So let's move a bit more in depth about the comparison between the service provision versus the traditional leased space. So we're taking it as, a, as red, it's a CMO, but this is the serviced offer. So it's a slightly higher offering versus a basic traditional lease space. So a key difference is affordability. And I mentioned that briefly earlier on when you have those problem buildings, because lease spaces are often more passive and sometimes seen as less risky. The yields tend to be lower than a fully operating serviced CMO. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and buy a fully operating 100% occupied CMO building because you will have to pay for it. But if you find a property that's got a problem and maybe one or two income streams, but not too many and build it up, then the affordability is much better because the price point from an investment point can be quite low. Whereas if you're looking at a more traditional lease space, if it's occupied, then the yield will be set by the market not really by the seller and not really by you. If it's being sold on the open market with agents, it will be pretty much at what the yield rate is or what the sentiment is in the market. And that can be quite expensive way of buying. Now, you might try and find something that's vacant. The challenge is how do you fund it? Chicken and egg. So my point of view about CMO is if you can buy one that's got some partial income in it already, then it's probably going to be a bit more affordable. And it's going to give you more headroom to create more value and more income for yourself as you go on. And the fact that you can build up the occupancy within a service CMO to an optimum income level does mean you can generate more income from less capital expenditure, which can be really important to someone starting out. On the flip side, though, if you have lots of money to park in commercial for a target return on investment, then lease space will give you a more passive income with longer term fixed income. It's really when you've got more money and you're concentrating on another business, and that was certainly the way I view commercial, that you then park your money on a commercial property with a lease in place and enjoy the return on investment, the cash flow. But as I got into this market, I started to realize, hold on a minute, I could actually be more active and influence those outputs by what I do. And 
that's really the next point here. You can add value by listening to market demand and by being creative in the ways that you choose to respond to them. So you can really try and push that price point up. Now, I'm not saying it'll go up forever, but it's fun trying to work out where the, I guess, the tipping point is. And interesting, I mentioned earlier on about that building being 100% occupied. Actually, your target rate really should be around about 90, 95%. Because 100% doesn't give you much flexibility for anybody who wants to change space or um, location or room type or for new people moving in. It doesn't really give you that flexibility and it also may even mean that our pricing isn't quite right yet. Whereas we have some other mature buildings that have been 100% in the past, but they're earning more money now that they're sitting around about 90-95% because they've been optimised a little bit more. But that just takes time. And in order to provide that better level of service and flexibility we're talking about, it does mean you might need more operational infrastructure to deliver it. So this could be systems, it might be people, managing building services and utilities. And, and I learned fairly on that one building could make a huge difference, but to be free of operations, I needed more scale. Now, depending on your circumstances, one building might be enough for you to make the changes you want to make in your life. And then you can decide just to work with one, and that's absolutely fine. But you may also get the bug <laughs> and think, right, I want to get some more of these and build up a team to manage this so I can actually make this really good cash flowing strategy more passive. And it's possible to do that, but you need a bit more scale. And another more mundane difference between that CMO model or service CMO model alongside the, the least is the contract type, of course, the, the piece of paper the customer and you actually agree to. And I mentioned earlier on about an FRI lease agreement. These tend to be for longer periods of time. These days, typically five years, maybe 10 years with a break clause in there somewhere. They often run to 60 odd pages or more. And they're even registered. There's a process you have to go through to register those leases. Not the same for licenses. And license agreements are for more of a specific space or equivalent within a property, whereas a lease tends to be, well, not tends to be, it is for a specific space. And it could be for as little as a month on a license agreement. Ours are typically about 12 months. That's the kind of um, time frame that we tend to focus on. Sometimes people ask for longer ones. Occasionally we'll give them, but actually our preference is to try and stay around about that 12-month period. Virtually all of our license agreements are the same, by the way, with the odd minor tweak. Sometimes the company wants a slight tweak, but we've been honing and honing and honing our contract over the years. But now, whenever we do a license agreement with a customer, it's virtually the same as the last one and as the last one. So it saves time but also saves lawyer fees. And leases will be less hassle for you once they're set up than they are in the serviced offering because they tend to be for longer. There's little doubt about that. But the licenses, of course, give you the opportunity, as I say, to increase the income and to have a better cash flow. So it's really you trying to weigh up what it is you actually want from that equation. There can be an argument that licenses can lead to less vacant periods at least I feel that, which may sound a bit odd because some people will say, well, if a license is only for 12 months and something happens to the economy, everybody could leave. Well, that's, that's true. But what happens is some of those people might leave from your license, but I can tell you what they're not doing is moving into a leased space 
Because if they're moving out of a flexible offering, they're not going to be committing to something that's even less flexible. And what you find is the people that are in lease space, when those leases start to come to an end, which I have to say is happening, we're seeing more and more of now after COVID, so we're almost 18 months, two years in here, we're now seeing some of those leases coming to an end and those customers are now looking for flexible offerings. So although there is a bump in the road, flexible offerings do incredibly well during recessionary periods because as people come to the end of a lease, they want something more flexible because they don't want to make a decision about what they're going to be doing in five years' time or ten years' time. They just want to get a space that's going to work for them right now and then make that decision further down the track when there's more certainty. So I think licences can lead to less vacant periods. Apart from anything else, they're much easier and quicker to fill. So sometimes in 24 hours, rather than weeks of lawyers and capital expenditure and fit out and schedule the conditions and all that stuff, you can actually move somebody in within 24 hours. So they can be pretty fast. The bottom line is, CMO multi-let properties can be life-changing. They have been for us. There are lots of different ways to operate them, though from that light touch lease space to renting space by the desk by selling lounge memberships, which we do, as well as all the other stuff in between. That choice is up to you. It can be a very active strategy or with the right team in place, it can be more passive or indeed just with the right contracts in place, it can be slightly more passive. Both traditional lease space and licensed CMO properties can work really well though. and. There's no better or worse strategy choice here. It will come down to which choice is right for you. And we start out with much more active strategy. This is, I'm talking about ourselves here, but, but we are now increasingly adding a balance to our portfolio with a couple of the recent purchases, including some lease space. And we will hold down to that as lease space for the time being. It may be that we'll change it into flexible later on, but it does give us a bit of certainty for income from those spaces while we redevelop the rest of those properties. What is interesting though is that there's a spectrum of active and passive investment strategies. It's not one or the other. You don't have to choose black or white, passive or active. It is though important to know how you wish to start out, otherwise you will be confused and decisions will be more difficult and your bank will be uneasy about those variations. I think it's important to start out on one of those strategies or a certain part of that spectrum and concentrate on it. These things should be straightforward and in order for banks and financial institutions to lend you money. So don't go in with all sorts of different strategy types. Try and keep it consistent when you're starting out. Now, if you want to find out more about those other investors who are using the CMO strategy rather than just me going on about it, find out on our Facebook group. Now, if you go to our Facebook page and click on the Join Group button, we're posting some content on the page. But to be frank, the algorithms don't show it very well. And most of the real interactions are going on between investors in the safer space found within the private group. And we try to make sure the content stays on point and is around commercial and that everybody in the group is there for commercial property information and contacts and for sharing details on um, projects or questions and trying to learn together. It's the usual W's facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor to find out more about those projects and just to meet other investors. It's a great space for that. So this episode about the difference between CMO 
licensed space and leased space, hopefully it's given you a bit more clarity about the differences, but you need to have a think about what output you want before you start going off chasing the shiny penny. I think CMO properties serviced spaces are fantastic. I think the market is asking for it more and more and that the timing right now for going into this type of offer is perfect. Yes, it's been good in the past, but I think it's absolutely brilliant right now and you should have a real think about those problem buildings that are local to you that people don't quite know what to do with that might actually be suitable for subdivision and seeing whether you could run a CMO model. Happy to help out. Reach out if you want to talk about any projects you're looking at. Thanks for listening into the show. Take a moment to leave a review, please. If you can, I'd be so pleased if you did. Just have a look in the show notes for any of those contact details if you want to speak to us. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Mm-hmm.